first things first, I'm going to lay down some science. Or, more accurately, some entomology, the study of bugs. The Navy was looking for sort of a baseline inventory of their their insects. And that might sound weird, like why does the Navy care about their insects? This is Dr. Michael Wall, curator of entomology at the San Diego Natural History Museum, or the NAT. I would just say that, like, we've got this incredible diversity of insects um, in San Diego. I mean, there are rare species out there, and so... Part of managing things that might be a little bit more charismatic and larger and easily viewable than uh, little tiny bugs is understanding what those larger, more charismatic things might be eating. Uh, And so insects are kind of that. They're, They're the middleman in the food chain between plants and larger vertebrates. I also spoke with UCSD professor of entomology and behavioral evolution, David Holloway who has done some amazing research on regional ants, specifically non-native species. I work on what I refer to as introduced species. So these are species that are are introduced into new locations by people, either purposefully or accidentally. Institutions like the NAT and UCSD have projects in Point Loma, the San Jacinto Mountain Range, Baja California, the Cuyamacas, Anza Borrego Desert, and different woodlands in San Diego. We are still uncovering more and more. So this episode, we're going to show some bug love. In the Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingsolver, ants play a key role in the story arc's primary peak. Everything breaks after the ants. Because ants take on a peculiar place in pop culture. We almost can't decide. Are they the small and innovative underdog or the one-minded hungry menace? The power is in the balance. We are our injuries as much as we are our successes. I'm Emily T. Griffiths, and you're listening to The Device Podcast. Stay with us. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Welcome back. You're listening to Device, and we're discussing The Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingsolver. But first, let's get back to the ants. Well, throughout, yeah, throughout most of... uh, Coastal California, the the common ant in people's homes and gardens is the Argentine ant. As the name suggests, these ants are native to southern South America, but they've been up here for a long time. The first records of the Argentine ant from California were from over 100 years ago, and it became very uh, common and widespread early in the 20th century uh, in California. You've seen these ants. They are the small black ones you find in your homes in your backyard, in your gardens. They are a nuisance to us, but they also have a severe impact on native ant populations. But the problem is is that when Argentine ants get into an ecosystem, they they don't share well. They didn't go to kindergarten. They don't play well with others. There is a distinct drop in ant biodiversity when the Argentine ant is present. If it's around, other ant species just aren't. So it's hard to find native ants in areas where the Argentine ant uh, has occupied. 
One of the interesting things about the Argentine ant is that they're simultaneously a conservation problem and that they reduce our native diversity and are ecologically disruptive in other ways. They're also a household pest. Argentine ants creep into our homes looking for one main thing. Water. Those are the ones that come into your house, right? Typically later in the summer because it's hotter and drier out in the areas where they would prefer to be hanging out. They're opportunists. Yeah, opportunists, exactly. And that's what a lot of invasive species really fall into that category. They're good opportunists. They're, they're able to take advantage of situations, um, you know, really easily. And Because if you've got a really narrow ecological niche, then you really got to land in the right spot, you know. But if you can, I can make it anywhere, you know, then you're, you're very likely to be an invasive species. By and large, as opportunities arise to visit the decreasingly hitting corners of our planet, humans plan expeditions. To explore is part of our nature, and we're pretty good at it. What we haven't been especially good at is leaving things better than how we found them. In the Poisonwood Bible... The Prices are a white-bred, Southern Baptist missionary family from metropolitan Atlanta. The Reverend Nathan Price... American aid will be the Congo's salvation. You'll see. ...takes his wife and four daughters, ages 5 through 15, to the village of Kalanga in the Belgian Congo. The story starts from the perspective of Aurelina Price... Heaven knows they won't have Betty Crocker in the Congo. But it mostly alternates among her four daughters. The eldest is Rachel. Man, oh man, are we in for it now? A beauty who firmly assesses that she was taken out of her natural habitat at her prime, right before she was to become a debutante. She is followed by the 14-year-old twins, Leah... I've heard foreign visitors complain that the Congolese are greedy, naive, and inefficient. (laughs) They have no idea. The Congolese are skilled at survival and perceptive beyond belief or else dead at an early age. She's as dogmatic about Jesus as her father is, trying to be the successor he doesn't have and doesn't particularly want in her. Ada, on the other hand, is dark, where her twin is cheerful. She is partially paralyzed on her right side, where Leah runs around the village trying to spread the good word. Ada is cynical, witty, envious, and most importantly, mute. (sighs) The youngest (laughs) is Ruth May, who is as every five-year-old would be in a country filled with new adventures. In 1959, they are brought in a rickety plane to a land with no running water or Betty Crocker to start their mission. Charmed, I'm sure. The Reverend Price is enthusiastically naive, assuming that he could convert the entire village within a year. Only, of course, he misunderstands the region's language and customs. Ignoring local warnings, he keeps trying to baptize children in a crocodile-infested river. I baptize you in the name of the Father and the... Ah! The prices are materialistic, valuing items they brought from America that have no use in Africa over the goodwill of the village. That is, until it's almost too late. We brought all the wrong things! Meanwhile, the Independence Party in the Congo is gaining momentum. 
funded by different Americans and other unsavory characters looking to make a profit off the blood diamond trade, Russian communists are forging allies with local leaders to undermine Dutch rule. Even when warned by Dutch residents, Reverend Price only concerns himself with providing salvation, whether the people want it or not. We Belgians made slaves of them and cut off their hands in the rubber plantations. Now you Americans, you pay them slave wage in the mines and let them cut off their own hand. Soon, the Reverend Price learns that Belgium is relinquishing control of the Congo to its people. There will no longer be missionary support and no family will be sent to replace the prices after the year is completed. Without consulting his family, Reverend Price doubles down and vows to stay until he has brought the village to Jesus, rejecting their only paid-for flight home. We will stay and do the Lord's work. One year turns into many. They are forced to sell their belongings to survive. And then, in the middle of the night, ants, thousands of ants, millions of biting ants, which are slowly covering the entire village of Kalanka. More after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Welcome back. You're listening to Device, and in this episode, we're discussing The Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingsolver. In this novel, a swarm of ants carpets an entire Congolese village, devouring all that they cover. Ants. We were walking on, surrounded, enclosed, enveloped, being eaten by ants. Every surface was covered in boiling. A family of unfunded missionaries from Georgia wakes up to find themselves covered. They join the villagers who, after awakening in their own homes, are running towards the river, trying to escape being eaten by a horde of ants. I thought I had died and gone to hell, but it's worse than that. I am alive in hell. At some point, the fear of killer ants has become well ingrained. Think about it. Just for a second. This sound probably makes you uncomfortable. You know that when you see one ant, there's more that you can't see. Think about them on your skin, in your hair, crawling up your leg. They're powerful mandibles ready to bite at any moment. The ants being described are likely based on army or driver ants in the genus Dorylus. Overtaking a whole village? That's not really in their reach. Driver ants live in nomadic colonies with millions of individuals. And while they do consume more species as prey than any known predator on the planet, anything with a backbone isn't really on that list. These guys mostly eat other invertebrates, you know, Worms, crickets, beetles, other types of critters that you can find on the jungle floor. That's not to say, however, 
that real-life encounters with these ants can't be dangerous in certain specific situations. People who are immobile, such as infants and nursing home patients, can be harmed by ants due to their inability to walk away. Also, anybody allergic to insects and ant stings should take caution. In California, we have a number of species of ants that uh, can sting. Again, Dr. David Holloway from UCSD. Uh, In the case of southern fire ants, which are a native species, uh, they use their sting to subdue prey. So other insects, caterpillars, provide a good example. In the case of harvester ants, uh, those ants use their sting to uh, defend themselves and and mostly against other animals that are are disrupting their, their colonies. They don't sting aggressively. Another ant in San Diego that may sting you isn't an ant at all, but a wasp. We do have some very cute uh, velvet ants in San Diego County. Dr. Michael Wall from the San Diego Natural History Museum. Particularly as you get into the desert, you get some pretty sizable velvet ants out there, and there's some that are just bright red and black, and then there's others that are silvery white uh, that almost look like, and in fact, the common name for them, I think, is called the thistledown ant. It almost looks like that. that's like rolling across the ground, and then you look closer and go, oh, no, that thing has six legs. I have seen a few red velvet ants out hiking. I can confirm they are certifiably cute. A sting from one of these native insects could be very, very painful. But like the driver ants, it isn't going to take down a perfectly healthy human. Which brings us to an important point. One character in this book, a major character, is not a perfectly healthy human. Ada Price can't walk at a normal speed. She stands on the porch of their hut, covered in ants, the village in a panic, running towards the river. She looks at her mother, and she speaks for the first time. Help me! It's this moment that sets the pace for the rest of the novel. The Price siblings are realizing how potentially fatal their situation is, and that their parents aren't making the right decisions. If his decision to keep us here in the Congo wasn't right, then what else might he be wrong about? Life pushes forward. The daughters start to find their own footing in Africa. The way I see Africa, you don't have to like it, but you sure have to admit it's out there. They struggle, but they find opportunities to survive. Remember those native ant species we were discussing? The ones that the Argentine ant is pushing out? They have roles in our broader ecosystem. And one of the comments that I get the most is, I used to see a lot more horn lizards than I see now. Like, what, what happened to all the horn lizards? And Argentine ants are at least partially part of that story. Forty years ago, horned lizards were much more common in San Diego County. And as they eat ants, why should more ants be a problem? They don't like Argentine ants, probably because Argentine ants are really small. They prefer larger ants, like the big harvester, or what a lot of people around here call red ants, the big red ants. Harvester ants, the nice native ant species that only stings you if you attack them. They also spread native vegetation. They eat seeds. In fact, that's why they're called harvester ants. So they bring seeds back to their colony and store those seeds uh, throughout the year. Some of those seeds take root in the network of tunnels that the colony supports. This is how an ecosystem functions. As curator of entomology, 
One of Michael's roles is to collect and identify as many bug species as possible native to San Diego. And their bug collection is impressive. We're surpassing one million specimens. They're still collecting and finding new specimens. We have the highest number of plant species of any county in the United States, including Hawaii. Uh, And so we also very likely, we just haven't tallied them all, have the most diversity of all sorts of insects. And and the vast majority of those insects just don't care about us, right? <laughs> and that's cool. And, uh, and, and if we care about them, then the way we care about them should not be care about getting rid of them, but like, you know, supporting them because they provide all these ecosystem services like pollination and nutrient transfer and all sorts of things. They, they feed things that are showier that we do like, like birds and stuff like that. So, um, You know, I'm always trying to preach the good word of insect appreciation. So what can you do to flex a little insect appreciation? Well, Drs. Holloway and Wall have some good suggestions. One, if you can, zero-scape your yard. Zero-scape means to, like, convert it into a low-water yard, right? You know, like lots of succulents and gravel instead of fields of green grass and things that you have to heavily irrigate because that's what— they're after, right? Is that they really like moist soil to hang out in. There, in this case, being the Argentine ant. As mentioned before, when they come into our homes, they're mostly looking for water. Yeah, so so we've shown experimentally that, that irrigation causes the spread of Argentine ants. So to the extent that people can limit the use of water in their yards and xeriscape, uh, that should reduce uh, the abundance of, of the Argentine ant. The fewer resources the Argentine ant has available, the less successful it will be. Xeriscaping helps keep the land how native species like it. I know we're almost at the end, but there's one more character I want to introduce you to. Orphan-turned-schoolteacher. Anatoly translates the reverend's sermons into the local language. Don't try to make life a mathematics problem with yourself in the center and everything coming out equal. When you are good, bad things can still happen. And if you are bad, you can still be lucky. If I was dissecting this book for historical accuracy rather than scientific, Anatoly would have been a much larger part of the story. Anatoly and Leah become very, very close. And it is through him that we learn what's going on in the Congo under imperialism and capitalism. And here, Kingsolver hits all of the major points. She heavily researched the birth of the Congolese independence and what forces demolished that movement, including a real-world CIA plot to assassinate the first legally elected prime minister of the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Well, allegedly. But the murder of Patrice Lumumba is still considered by some to be the most important assassination of the 20th century. But this podcast isn't about history. God hates us. It's about science. Don't blame God for what aunts have to do. We all get hungry. Congolese people are not so different from Congolese aunts. They have to swarm over a village and eat other people alive. When they are pushed down long enough, they will rise up. If they bite you... They are trying to fix things in the only way they know. I wish that Kingsolver had given the same attention to the Congo ecosystem that she did to its very complicated history. 
This isn't to say that the prices don't face factual dangers in their environment. There's an encounter with a green mamba snake that is very real and very scary. But to force her characters to a breaking point, Kingsolver creates a monster that relies on a Western fear of the unknown. The jungle is out to get you. Or as Aurelina says, This forest eats itself and lives forever. As much as I love this book, and I do, it's gorgeous from cover to cover. If you know anything about ants, a hungry, mindless horde that makes the locals run in fear just kind of comes across as silly. Ants and other insects play a vital part in our ecosystem. Well, introduced species like the Argentine ant and the prices are a nuisance. The local species are still the innovative underdogs. Device is co-produced by myself and Derek Acosta. It is recorded at KPBS and Mega64 Studios in San Diego, California. John Wanzer is our audio engineer with additional music by the Bicycats. Voice actors for this episode include Scarlett Acosta, Brett Evers, Heidi Morris, Sue Skescott, Randy Thomas, John Wanzer, and Lindsay Ward. At KPBS, Emily Jankowski is the technical director, Kinsey Moreland is podcast coordinator. Lisa Jane Morissette is operations manager. And John Decker is director of programming. You can get our monthly episodes of Device on your preferred podcast app. Many thanks to Drs. David Holloway and Michael Wall for coming in to speak with me. David and I talked more about introduced species here in San Diego, like the red imported fire ant. Michael and I discussed how bug surveys and collections can help us understand the ecological history of our home. I think there was 29 different sites, and uh, they did do photographs back in 1908, and so they have good, good photographs, great field notes, and the specimens. And so in 2008, our, the museum started going back to these sites and trying to see what does 100 years of change look like in the San Jacinto Mountains. You can listen to both interviews on Device Interviews, also, wherever you get your podcasts. Next month, we're going to be discussing one of Philip K. Dick's earlier novels, Time Out of Joint, so get reading. Device is made possible by the KPBS Explore program because science is at the heart of every exploration, and the best stories take us somewhere worth going. Thanks for listening. <laughs>